0: Well, today we have a, a very special speaker. Some of you have met him before, but Dave Chandler pastors Lake City Foursquare Church in Moses Lake, but he's also our Foursquare regional pastor. And so he's one of my bosses, somebody that I answer to, but ultimately he's here to love and encourage and support. And so he has a word that he's going to bring today. Would you welcome Pastor Dave Chandler as he makes his way to the stage? I've been looking at that guitar pick all, all morning too. Going, Blake, pick up your guitar pick. <laughs> How's everybody in Ephrata doing? Yeah, let me get this set up. Man, it's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, while I'm here, my wife is back at home filling in, and uh, she's speaking this morning. And I'm super excited about that. Really, really glad to be here. The whole way up here, I thought. You know, this is actually Moses Lake and Ephrates all like home. I was telling Blake, I, I travel a little bit with this job, and uh, so I get to speak at least once a month. I'm in a, some different church somewhere, and uh, this doesn't feel like I'm traveling. This this just feels like I came home. And and uh, what a what an awesome boy! You guys are doing a lot of work around this place. It looks really cool, and good stuff is happening. Uh, I get to go to Collide tomorrow after a meeting. And kind of hunt around. And as a regional pastor, I love it when we find out that youth are going, hey, I think I'm called to be a pastor. Um, because it's like the pipeline, you know, because some of us are closer to the end of our season than the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Myself uh, in that camp. And so uh, what, a, what, what fun it is. So I go to camps looking at youth pastors to get them to leave their church and go pastor a church somewhere. So when I show up, the senior pastors are like, why are you here? What are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm just checking the lay of the land. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. But it, 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 what an op- awesome opportunity it is to be with you. Um, the last time I was here was when we were installing you guys. And uh, that was a fun, fun time. So, amen. Everybody doing good? Yeah, you guys look good. Yeah, you're going to have to knock the walls out, Blake. Maybe take over that road out there and just move into there or something like that. I walked across your park and I thought, when they expand this place, we're all going to park. So, yeah, this is cool. Well, I think I got something to share with you this morning. In case you can't tell, getting started is always fun for me. People say I'm either a stand-up comic or a wannabe pastor. And, uh, yeah. So I like to look at the Bible, and um, when, I'm, when I'm reading in the Bible, I like to pretend that I'm there. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm doing my daily reading or I'm just picking up and going, I like to pretend that I'm there. I, I, I think God gave me a sanctified imagination. I'm kind of a daydreamer anyway. And so I tend to like to just kind of, what would it be like to be when, you know, when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, what would it have been like to sit there? You know, you're just like a, you know, you're just, you're just a part of the crowd. Or, you know, what would it have been like to be there when they were crucifying Christ? I mean, wow, would that have changed? And I like to go through uh, the Bible, and, and I, I've got heroes, as I'm sure all of you do. And I like to just kind of look at them and go, what would it have been like to be there when King David faced off, well, he was just a little shepherd boy, Goliath. Would that have been a trip or what if all of a sudden you were just to be able to stand there and watch david a young boy just with confidence walk out there and say <laughs> you're mine you are mine you are mine today or what would it have been like when moses parted the red sea would that have been a rush to walk down i've seen pictures you know some cartoons where there's fish looking at the you know the children of israel and you're just gonna walk up i'm not a fisherman but that would have been, what would it have been like to fish with Jesus? I mean, talk about the ultimate fish finder. <laughs> They're right there, right there, you know, right there. <laughs> I think I could have caught fish with, with that, you know, because I am not a good fisherman. Just right, right, no, Dave, right, oh, here, let me just put it on the hook for you. Anyway, and I've got, I've got a hero that has always been really big to me, and that his name is Gideon. I think Gideon is one of the coolest guys in the Bible. Because let me just give you, and I'm going to take you into the book of Judges. And let, me just, let me just paint a picture of who Gideon was. I think the reason I like Gideon is because I can identify with this guy. Of all the people in the Bible, if you're at my home church, they'd say, here goes Gideon. I just, you know, when, we all, I'm, when I get to heaven, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to talk to somebody. Gideon's the guy I'm going to look up. Okay, so let me, let me give you Gideon's description of himself. He says of himself, I'm the least of a tribe, that is the least of all the tribes. Okay, he is this guy who is just, he, he, he's not a proud, arrogant guy. He is the most unlikely hero in the Bible. Could, could you just turn me down just a little bit? Because I, I tend to get loud, I'm sorry. So he is, he don't mean to tell you your job. He is the most unlikely, unlikely in the Bible. And I I guess I look at him and I go, if Gideon could do it, I could do it. And all through Gideon's ministry, whatever you want to call it, Gideon is constantly just like, well, okay. I don't know how this is going to work. So I want to walk you into Gideon today. I think we're going to draw some truths. Can we just pray for just a moment? Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. As we open the word, the living word of God. Holy Spirit, cause it to come alive in our lives, cause power. We're not just here to check a box. We're here because we need each other, and Jesus, we need you. And Holy Spirit, we need you to illuminate and lead us today. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Judges chapter 6, verse 1. And I think I sent some notes, but I've been having some troubles with my computer, so did you guys get my notes or not? Nope, you didn't get them. See, I told you. So you're just going to have to go without notes, but that's okay. Judges chapter 6. I'm going to read you a little bit. This is Gideon. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves that are in the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and the people of the east would come up against them. It's like Soap Lake came against Ephrata. And they would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. That's that's like a total bummer, okay? You getting this? And for they would come up with their livestock and their tents, they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste the land as they came in. They would just absolutely take everything out, okay? And Israel, Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt. So he's reminding them. Okay, they've, they've, they've had the Midianites just roughing them up. I mean, think about it. These Midianites were not dumb. They were ruthless. So what they would do is they would wait until the farmers had planted the crops and then wait until the farmers had harvested the crops. And then they'd come in. They were lazy with a capital L. And they would take everything. So if you had any cattle ranchers or any farmers in the place, they would wait until calving season was over wait until you'd wean those calves and then they'd come collect them they'd say thank you very much we'll be back next year and that's that's the condition of midian or of israel right now the midianites are just just ruthless people just really really ugly people everybody go i hate those midians you're not supposed to hate anybody okay say i don't like those midianites and so god comes and he says listen i'm gonna, the, the people been crying out They've been saying we're sorry, and uh, they've been crying and crying and crying. And God says, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out to the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you, and I gave you their land. And I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. You will not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you'll dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. The call of Gideon. This This is where Gideon's called, okay? Now basically this is what's going on. God is you know God didn't bring bad stuff on him. God just said, "You don't want me in it? I'll back up. You guys are on your own." And I don't know about you, but there's times in my life where I where God has just said, "He's I'm not causing bad things, Davis. It's your choices. You want to do this on your own? Okay, I'll back off." And that's what the Israelites are just reaping what they have sown. Okay? Are you with me? How many of you have ever reaped I know one time I was praying and I said, Lord, the enemy, the enemy, and uh, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, enemy, shminimi. it's you, your fingerprints are on your stuff, dude, don't give the enemy any credit for this, you did this all on your own, and that's basically what he's saying, I did all this stuff for you guys, but you guys wanted to do it on your own, so belly on up to the bar and have at it, guys, here you go, okay, now, Blake says I only have about two hours. So what time do you guys usually get done? About 1.30? Four o'clock. <laughs> I can't go that long. Now, the an- we'll stop and have chicken brought in or something. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under, under the terebinth. We'll only get five pieces of chicken and uh, five loaves of bread. We'll see who's got faith to Anyway, let's go on here. <laughs> Blake, you're on. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth at Ophrah. I love the names here. And so, if I butcher them and you know them, give me some grace. So, they're sitting at Terebinth at Oprah. That's not the woman on TV, which belonged to Joash, the Abazrite, or some guy. While his son Gideon, now look at, here's Gideon. Look at this. He's beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. There is our warrior. He's hiding. Okay, I, I I see. So I see Gideon just kind of beating out some wheat, hoping the Midianites don't show up. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, "I love this. The Lord is with you, Almighty oh Man of Valor." Now either God has confused, or he sees something that nobody else sees. Because I'm looking at this, I, you've never seen anything up this point that, Midi, that Gideon has done. He goes, you mighty men of valor, you hiding out here, beating a little grain. Boy, you're the guy I'm going to use. Now, I remember the first time where I, I really studied this, I mean, years and years ago, and I fell in love with Gideon. Because I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, that's you, Dave. Gideon is a reluctant warrior. You can see skid marks behind Gideon <laughs> as God has dragged him along. Okay, now Blake, you guys can I did. I was a real when when I first knew I was at camp, and the Lord spoke to me. I got saved when I was seventeen, and I went to camp the following year. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and says, "Well, actually, it's a long story. Before I was even saved, I knew God was calling me to be a pastor." And I'm like, well, "This is going to be weird because I don't believe in God, but I think I'm going to be a pastor." I Actually, told my mom that. I don't really believe in God, but I think of it to be a pastor. And she's like, okay, <laughs> well, that'll work. Anyway, and I can remember God calling saying, Dave, I want you to be a pastor. And I started laughing, and I said, never in a million years. And I, I, there were skid marks all the way behind me. I, and I imagine there's some skid marks behind some of you where you're just going, nope, not going to do that. I want you to go over and nope, no can not do that. God, you're a good guy, but find Blake and let him do it. That's why we pay him the big bucks. And so here's Gideon, and God, you're a mighty man of valor. The verse that pops in my mind, the God who calls those things that be not as though they were. God is in the prophecy business. And by the way, when God prophesies, it always comes to pass. Just that you know. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? You ever ask God that? If you're so good, why did this happen? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And then Gideon says, But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us in the hand of Midian. Now, this is what I like about Gideon. Because I think sometimes we play the religious card, Oh, God. But our heart is saying, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. And Gideon had the courage to look and say, well, if you're so big, why have you left us in this position? Why are we here? A little side note, my family is Jewish. My mom is, uh, we're called Delta Jews. Uh, My dad is half Jew. My mom is Jew. And if you know anything about Jewish, you're you're Jew because you're your mother. And uh, I remember talking to my grandmother, my grandparents converted to Christianity. I remember, so my cousin and I had the distinction of giving my grandmother bacon for the first time in her life when she was in her 70s. And she was like, where has this been my whole life? (laughs) (laughs) Literally, my mom was like, you fed your grandmother bacon? What is wrong with you? And she loved it, you know, and... um, but we actually used to go to the synagogue. My parents wanted us to stay somewhat in touch with our Jewish roots. And so when I was uh, wrestling with God and everything, I remember sitting and talking to a rabbi and saying, Why should I believe in a God? And the rabbi says, Well, the case could be made that being the chosen people of God has not worked out for us. <laughs> I remember thinking, Yeah that's true. And that's Gideon. He's going, we're the chosen people of God and we don't even have anything to eat. And I don't know about you, but there's been times I've said, I'm not sure why I signed up on your team, God. This isn't going the way I wanted it to go. And, you know, and I love that Gideon was just, you know, I just, I just loved him for being just honest. God likes it when we wrestle with don't play religion, just wrestle. Just go, God, I'd like to believe you, but man, I don't see it right now. And the Lord said to him, God just, just kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever, Gideon. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. What might? And save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. If you're Gideon, you got to be looking, might. You're not listening, God. And then he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I'll be with you, and you'll strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that is you who speak to me. I've heard pastors say, This was such a rotten thing, laying down fleeces. I don't think. Meet you right where he needs to meet you, because right, I don't see God mad at Gideon here. Gideon, has, or Gideon, excuse me, has every reason. Listen to me, and Blake can pick up the pieces next week. Gideon has every right to not. He has every right to just question, Or every reason. Maybe not. You understand what I'm saying? He's like, you're calling me a mighty man of God. I'm hiding in a wine press beneath a wine. So he's down high. And you're calling me, and I haven't seen. We've been we've been starving here, and now you want to tell me that I'm going to be. I want a sign. And I don't see God saying, "How could you ask me for a sign?" What well, I see God says, "Okay, what do you want?" And so He says, "Don't depart from from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you." And He said, "I'll stay till you return." So Gideon went into the house and prepared a young goat and. And unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour, the meat he put in a basket, the broth he put in a pot, and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented This is the angel of the Lord, okay? And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did. And then the angel of the Lord reached out at the tip of the staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened cakes, and fire spread. This is a pretty good sign. This is good. Aspire. I can't even get my barbecue grill to start. And God just goes, okay, like that, okay? I'm just thinking. And then I love it. Verse 22. Then Gideon perceived, smart guy, that he was the angel of the Lord. So this is kind of cool. And Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said, and peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. You ever notice how many times that God shows up? He says, Don't be afraid. (laughs) That's usually a pretty good time to be afraid. (laughs) Because it's usually followed by, don't be afraid, I want. And again, Blake will pick up the pieces about lack of faith next week. Then Gideon, in verse 24, built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. I love that. To this day, it still stands in Ophrah. That night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and a second bull seven years old. Pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. Cut down the asher that is beside it, to build an altar of the Lord your God. Uh, from the wood with the wood of the asher that you should cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told them. But because he was too afraid, mighty man of God, still a little afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Let's pause right there. Let me show you some things. I generally back home give three points because that's as far as I can go. And I think I have three. I might squeeze a fourth point in. But as we go forward, would you just do something? Would you just be asking, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me? What are you saying to me personally? What is it that God wants you to get? Because you didn't come here by accident. It's not an accident you're here. You, th- you may have thought, maybe you got drug here, maybe you just somebody said, hey, Blake's a good guy, you got drug here, or maybe you heard I was going to be here. Okay, scratch that. But anyway, <laughs> and you're like, what am I doing here? Why am I listening to this? Just ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Now, when you're talking about Gideon, God has just told Gideon, you're the solution to the problems of Israel. And we don't have time to go to the whole story of Gideon, how God windows down or windows down an army. And it's worth going home today and really reading through this thing. But put yourself standing next to Gideon. As a matter of fact, go so far as to put yourself in Gideon's shoes, and have God speaking to you. Because I think He's asking some of us to, now. Maybe maybe you're not going to save the nation of whatever, but you might be the only Jesus that the world you're in sees. And there may be some things he's asking you to do that are just as scary as what he's asking Gideon. We tend to look at stuff like this and go, well, that was really big. But me, I'm just in this little corner of this little town. And God doesn't ask me to do, but God is asking you to touch your world in a way that nobody else can. And when God tells me I'm going to do something, I've discovered some things. I'm going to give these to you, and I'm really sorry my notes didn't come through um, But you'll get this. Just write this down somewhere. Tattoo this on your arm. Write it on your neighbor to take home. When you're talking about us being the solution to the problem, remember this, and this is point number one. God always starts with me. When Lori and I planted our first church, we were in Othello, Washington. When we started our first church, we started it with this. We'll go to Othello. Now, when you grow up in Moses Lake, because I'm from Moses Lake, Othello is like, we make jokes about Othello and Quincy. <laughs> and Ephrata. <Efredo>. But anyway, <laughs> But I, don't, I want to get out of here today, and I don't want you all beating me out of town. Othello was like osmelo That's what we called it, because they had a feedlot in town next to a potato processing plant. So it literally, we'd come out of church, and it smelled like a french fry in a potato pie. It was a, and, and so we went to Othello believing that, that we would fail at planting a church and that would get God off our back. And we told each other that. Lori's like, okay, we'll go to Othello. We don't really want to do this thing. And then we'll fail. And then God will get off our back and we'll do what we really want to (laughs) do. Church plant 101. And so we just showed up and hung a sign and... People started coming, and it got 10 people. We thought, okay, when we fail, this is not too bad. Then 20 people, uh, uh, there's a few more people here who will see us fail, but that's okay. And then 30 people, uh, and then 50 people. And we start saying, literally, my wife and I go out, and we'd, <laughs> we'd go, for crying out loud, there were 72 people there. How do we fail with this many people we don't tell other church planters how to do this. we just that's just that was our attitude. And then suddenly God started doing something in our hearts and we started saying, Maybe this really is God. And I could remember the day I was standing, I was look at this church, and I'm I'm getting ready to talk. And and I had been prayer complaining. Have you ever prayer complained? It's where you pray but you're actually complaining. And I had prayer complained that I was in Othello and that it was it's a town. 5,000 people doing nothing, and I'm stuck here. And I got up to speak. I had my notes. I was not in a good mood. I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. And here I am, and uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Dave, everything you need to transform the Columbia Basin is looking at you right now. You just don't see it. That changed my life. I stopped. I said, this would be a good day for me to sit down. And I sat down. And one of the council members got up and said, that's interesting because God began to deal with me. God always starts with me, and he always starts with you. When there's a problem, you and I are the solution. We're the solution. The church has always been the solution. When God, when Gideon says, You're, you know, God, you got to do something, and God says, You're the one who's going to deliver them. When Jesus was with his disciples, he said, You guys feed them. You guys do it. This town, this part of the Columbia Basin, the Columbia Basin we're all a part of, is dying for truth. Your neighbors, your friends, the people you work with, even the people who irritate the snot out of you, need Jesus. They, I just read a thing that if all the people who were just hurt and wounded and offended at the church came back, we would have to triple the seating capacity to hold them. Just, maybe we're the ones who are going to extend would you please forgive us? I find myself a lot of times as a pastor saying, "Would you please just forgive us, pastors? We're stupid." We don't know why God chose us because we were the least of the least of the least. But you and I are the ones and when God when God is going to do something, it always starts with me. But there's some things that stand in the way. You know what the first thing that stands in my way? My own mind. I can't comprehend that God would do something through Excuse me, through me. But my Bible tells me if my mind is set, in Romans chapter 8, if my mind is set on the things of the flesh, I'll never comprehend what the Holy Spirit can do. If I'm focused on my world around me, I'll never comprehend the great things that the Holy Spirit can do through me. It says to be fleshly-minded or carnally-minded or you know, vision-minded is death, but to be spiritually-minded, I love it when Blake's talking about getting in the word, in the word, in the word, to be spiritually minded. Pretty soon I begin to see the endless potential and possibilities, the endless potential and possibilities that Jesus has. The challenge then is not to move God. The challenge is to change my way of thinking. That's the challenge. God's God's not intimidated by anything. The challenge is to change my way of thinking. Are you getting this? Is to go, God, you would do something through me, and to have that happen, I've got to change my way of thinking. And to do, and to change my way of thinking, it's got to be through the Word. We got a young gal, so she grew up in our church. Where I got interesting things going on in Moses Lake. We're, uh, you know, um, we've got a bunch of, we've planted churches. We have campus churches. We're just having a lot of fun, uh, but. Um, Uh, we've got some young uh, leaders around us and uh, they're going to wind up pastoring somewhere. And so we've been walking through some things and having a lot of fun. So the sister of one of these, these young emerging leaders uh, has had a very storied life. She had a lot of drugs, a lot of stuff. And um, she went to rehab. She came back, uh, started going right down the same problem. She came into my office. Uh, She's a fantastic young gal, And, um, Tears are, she she gave her life to Jesus about three weeks later. Tears are streaming down her face, and she says, Dave, I'm praying and I'm praying, but I don't hear God saying anything. Maybe he doesn't like me. And I said, well, are you in the Bible at all? She said, I don't understand it. And so I got her a, a different translation. She was reading one that I don't understand either. Um, and uh, we started journaling together. I said, listen, And about three weeks later, she comes in my office, and she says, man, God has been speaking to me. See, when I pray, I'm speaking to God, but when God speaks to me, he often speaks through his word. And the word came in. And and so here's what happened. She comes in, and she says, God spoke to me. He told me I live in fear. And we have a thing in our church. If a young young student, uh, anybody under the age of 25, if they'll give six months of their life to the mission field, the church will pay the whole ticket we have two or three different organizations we say if you'll go with one of these we'll pay the whole ticket for the first six months up to two years and we pray that not 20 people take it all at once um <laughs> so that's our faith we're throwing this out there for you but none of you want to do that right <laughs> and uh, she comes into my office and she and one of them is ywam youth with a mission and she says to me she's going i God's speaking to me. He tells me, "I'm," and then she says, "And God told me I'm going to change the world." And I'm like, "That's God." And she goes, "I'll do YWAM." I'm like, "Okay." And she's headed off to YWAM in September. She began to hear God, and it was because the renewing the transforming of the world when a kid who's struggling with addictions walks in and says god tells me i'm going to change my world as a pastor you get behind that You know, i went to the council thursday night we had a council meeting i said listen this is our policy and we're getting behind it you know thank god for good church counselors are like we'll quit paying you to send her you know <laughs> wait a minute it just dawned on me we're gonna take up another offering right here. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So, number one, it always begins in me, but my challenge is, is my mind. My mind. Any of you ever found your head is the one that stands in the way? Yeah? <laughs> What'd you say? Never? <laughs> Everybody just reach out your hand towards this guy right here. And he's sitting on the front row. That says something. Okay, here's number two. So God always starts with me. Here's number two. You ready for this? The lie. Because there's a lie. From the beginning of time, man has wrestled with an adversary. You know where I'm going with this. In the Garden of Eden, the devil comes to Eve, twists the truth. And I just got news for you. He's going to twist the truth in your ear either. He's going to twist it a little bit. I love it in Jesus. Okay, so in my sanctified imagination, remember in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is going to go out into the will? He's been fasting for 40 days. Anybody here ever fasted for 40 days? My wife made it 39 days one time. 40 minutes is a stretch for me. As soon as I say, okay, that's it, I'm fasting, I'm immediately hungry. I could have just gone to an all-you-can-eat. I could be over time out there, all-you-can-eat pizza buffet stuff myself and say i am now gonna fast and my body will instantly say we're dying we're dying it's over we're gonna die we called our church to a seven-day fast and literally people in the church were going we're gonna check in on you every day dave because i've admitted fasting is just mentally but here's the thing here's the thing the lie, the enemy comes. So Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, if you got your Bibles turned there, your your phones or something like that. Now, I love Bible on the phone, but please tell me you're actually on the phone, not on Facebook, okay? Matthew chapter 4, during that time the the devil came, Jesus has been out for 40 days, okay? He's hungry. Came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And you know what Jesus said, people do not live by bread alone but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, jump, jump off. For the scripture says he'll order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, you must not test the Lord your God, right? Then the devil took him to the peak at a very high mountain. And apparently Jesus was not afraid of heights and showed him the kingdom of the world and all their glory. I'll give it all to you if you'll kneel down and worship me. And Jesus finally says, Satan, get out of here. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Can you imagine standing there that day that Jesus, he's weak because he's fully God but fully man. He's weak. He's tired. He's had this spiritual thing going. And now the enemy comes. The devil. With a capital D. I've never had the devil. You know, people say, Dave, The devil? The devil? He's not omnipotent, maybe a little demon with a cat, with mighty D. But anyway, this is the devil. And look at Jesus. Twi- he takes and twists, and Jesus confronts the lie. See, here's the problem. You're going to have opportunities. God is going to call you to do great. He's going to ta- call you to step out. Maybe it's to lead a small group. Maybe it's to get in and serve. Maybe it's, to start a, maybe it's just to start telling people where you work that you're actually a Christian. We got a lot of undercover Christians, you know. Maybe it's maybe it's to reach out, maybe it's to reconcile with the fact. I don't know what God's speaking to you right now. But the enemy's gonna come along, and the lie that he spreads becomes a stumbling stone to me. It becomes a stumbling stone. See, it's not though, however, the lie that destroys us, it's believing the lie that is the problem. The enemy can yap, 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 yap. Lies have no power over me until I choose to believe them. Are you getting that? You, it, it's the, the lie's not the problem. It's when I start to believe it. Okay? Jesus hears the enemy, and he says, Listen, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. Your lies have no power over me. And when I come to the same place, when I can look at the adversary, when I can look at circumstances, because sometimes the circumstances we face are pretty overpowering. We live in a crazy world, don't we um i'm thirty six years old <laughs> Give or take thirty years it's a rough it's a rough thirty six years. Come on, be nice to me. <laughs> Actually, these guys in the front row probably know because I think you guys actually came to Othello one time and, and filled in for me. Peter, I think you spoke, didn't you? Yeah, you led worship, and there was like 12 people there, and they loved you, and they tried getting you guys to stay. I just, it just dawned on me. Yeah, Peter knocked it out of the park, and he doesn't even remember. I gave you your chance, man. And Anyway, uh, it's, it's, it's the believing the lie. Are you with me? The enemy's going to come and he's going to tell you something. It's the believing the lie. So what I started to say is, okay, so I'm 36 plus a few years. Actually, somebody told me that when you get 60, start counting backwards. For I'm actually 54, and I'm liking where this is going. Okay, I'm liking this is where it's going. Maybe a little plastic surgery might help out, but other than that, hey. Anyway, our world is a crazy world, isn't it? When I was 20, I never thought I'd see some of the stuff that's going on now. And we got all kinds of reasons to go, oh, man, it's hopeless, it's hopeless. Jesus is still on the throne. The church, trust me, I get to travel around. There are 86 churches that I get to serve, 86 churches all over eastern Washington, all of Idaho, part of Montana and part of Oregon. The church is stronger. We have some of the most amazing Young leaders stepping up. I am blown away at the caliber of the churches we're planting. The church is doing fantastic. And the church is still the great hope for the world. It's still the great hope. We're we're the great hope. The answers that people are looking for are still found right here in the church. But if we believe the lie, if we believe the lie, there goes the power, right? The church, you are still the great hope for the city of Ephraim, the Columbia Basin. We're it. We're the great hope. And we've got this guy named Jesus. It's not that we're good. I like to tell people Jesus plus you equals a majority. Amen? Okay, so then number three. You guys getting anything out of this? I've only got about an hour and a half to go. What time do you guys usually get done? Like 11:10, 11:15, 11:15? How do you guys know that so well? So I, I, the truth. Okay, so first was God always starts with me, then there was the lie and the truth. Then Jesus said, This is John 8: Then Jesus said to the Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. The reason we go negative, the reason we worry, the reason we get angry, the reason we struggle with whatever it is, the reason is because we're believing a lie instead of the truth. I'm insecure because I believe a lie about myself. I'm insecure in, in areas of whatever it is because I believe the lie. And lies have always been and are always combated by what? The truth. And you hold in your hands or on these smartphones the truth. All lies are combat. That's what Jesus did. When, when, when the enemy came at him, he just simply hit him with the word. He hit him with the truth. And the enemy couldn't do anything. So when God gives you a vision, God gives you a plan, God gives you a dream, you just line up the truth of God on your side and you go forward and no circumstance or anything can stop you. you is that cool? That's amazing to me. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior thinking in this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And how do you do that? With the word, the truth of the word. What's the behavior of the world around me? Well, certainly not the kingdom of God. That's for sure. The natural mind focuses on what's going on. So at the beginning of this year, I challenged our church to do 30 days without the news or Facebook or any social media. And I asked everybody who would take the challenge to stand up. Now I know there's the pressure of people standing with you. And everybody stood up. And I went, okay, (laughs) how many of you really mean it? (laughs) I mean, I saw some people go, I said, no, let's just disconnect. No more news, not whatever news channel you like to watch no more facebook no more and i had people going but i'll be out of touch with the world hello and so we did it amazingly quite a few people stuck with it and at the end of 30 days guess what the news hadn't changed it hadn't changed but something changed in a lot of us Because our eyes are focused. The Bible says we focus not or we we, we don't look on what we can see, but what we can't see. See, the mind that gets a hold of the truth can see the endless possibilities, the endless possibilities and potential of a church like the Desert Church. I love that name. I love that name. We've been called Lake City Foursquare since we started. We have two young couples on our team one of them is likely to take my place. We just went through a major remodel and, and let them decide how it was going to look because it's like I'm not going to be the one, and so you guys do it. And we just started talking, do you guys want to change the name? Because if you want to change the name of church, I'll do it, I'll take the arrows, and you guys change the name of the church. And one of the names they came up with, Streams in the Desert. And one of them said, well, I came up with that because I went by Ephrata Foursquare and I saw they changed the name to the desert and I, we just want to be a little bit better than Ephrata. <laughs> That's really what happened. They're like, we just want to be a little bit better and I'm like, yes! And I'm going to be an Ephrata and I'm going to tell them we're better. So if the name gets changed to streams in the desert, now you guys can all go on some Sunday morning and just walk in and say, you guys just wanted to be one up and you, you'll be rivers. <laughs> okay. What's the is going to do in Othello, you know? Potatoes in a potato pie or something. See, when I got the truth, the, the, the fact is I don't deny the problem. I don't deny that this world is upside down. What I also don't deny is that Jesus is still on the throne. And believe it or not, he saw this day coming, and he just chuckled. And the darker it is out there, the brighter it is in here. And if we live authentically, authentically, transparently before the people around us, they begin to see Jesus. They begin to see people who are no different from them, except they love Jesus and are committed to following him. And we're not religious and we're not phony and we're not trying to make anybody look like us. That would be scary. We're just trying to exhibit the love and grace of Jesus Christ. We're not here to judge. We're not here to tell them how to live their life. We're just here. We're just here to show Jesus love. And and lives are transformed. I'm not here to tell anybody how to live their life. I'm here to tell them about Jesus. And let the Holy Spirit change them from here. Amen. And that brings me to my last thing. If you just remember this. I'm not into tattooing, but this would be a good one to tattoo on your body also. (laughs) I I honestly don't get any money from a tattoo parlor in Moses Lake on the corner of Broadway and Alder. But anyway, okay. (laughs) This is worth listening to. My response to the thing is almost more important, is always more important than the thing itself. My response to the thing is always more important than the thing itself. When I am full of the truth and love and power of Jesus, when I have the Holy Spirit just flowing through me, it doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm still in process. What it does mean is that I'm allowing the circumstances and the things around me to be filtered through Jesus Christ. And it changes my world. And no longer am I controlled by negative reactions to things around me because things around me don't really matter anymore. Sure, I care about people. I care about all the stuff that you see. But more than that, I care about people finding Jesus. So a funny thing happened, and then I'll shut down because it's 11.13. And I know that because that clock is getting bigger. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> and they're holding up flashcards. Shut up, shut up. Um, My score has gone from perfect 10 to now, the sound guy says. I'm a 3.2. Anyway, um, a couple of years ago, we were in the middle of an election. Y'all remember that? And we got another one coming up. Don't you love this? About the time we start liking each other, we're going to do this again. And it's like, and so. We had one political party that asked to meet. We have in our building, we have a big building, and we have what's called the Annex next to it, and this is the high school group, and it's in a brick building that we keep hoping that they'll set fire to because we have really good insurance on it and we'd like to take it out, but they can't set fire to They just haven't been able to get the fire going. Terrible little fire starters, those uh, teenagers are. But anyway, <laughs> there goes Boy Scout merit badges. But anyway, um, now watch it catch fire, and I'll be like, honest, we did not. And you'll all be witnesses for the insurance he totally told us they were going to set fire to that thing, so <laughs> not good. So I take that back. Okay, you never heard that. So one of these political parties came to us and said, we would like to use your annexes. It kicked out of everywhere else, and, and we're like, you know, the church council said, whatever, we don't really care. Dumbest decision we ever made. And um, two weeks later, the other political party, I'll let you decide which is which, came to, into my office, and um, they said, um, well, we noticed you were letting in those guys. Would you let us? And I'm like, oh, great. And then the lady looks and she goes, and while you're making your decision, I just want you to know that we are not Christians and we don't like Christians. <laughs> and I said, done. You can use a building. What night do you want? And she looked at me and she goes, what? I said, Done. You can use a building. You can use all of the facilities. We'll send a sound guy down. You can hold rallies. You can do whatever you want. I mean, keep your clothes on and don't smoke dope, but I mean, you know. <laughs> and maybe not have a kager, but other than that, you know. And uh, some of you going, what's a kager? Not, not worth talking about right now. The older people are going, yeah. no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Blake. Blake gets to pick this up next week. I'm out of here. I'm on vacation. Eh, I'm not answering my phone either. (laughs) A few weeks later, that lady came back. And she said, why would you, a Christian, let us use your facilities? We were trying to trap you. And I said, because I want you to know that we love you. And we care about you. And I, I don't really care about all the other stuff. We care about you. They never did use the building. But we got some really good allies out of the thing. It wasn't because I was there. And they, the people, trust me, they were, it's not worth going into. I don't live my life based on what makes people happy or what they think of me. I live my life based on Jesus loves them. And he wants to, are you guys getting anything out of this? Or I'm just, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise him again, my savior and my God. Right now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of Jordan from the land of Mount Miser. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. O God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? I cry sometimes. Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? But yet again, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again and again and again, my Savior and my God. We live in a world that can seem upside down. But Jesus operates in his church in upside down. And you and I, you and I get to be the people to change our world, to change our world. And it's so exciting. So I'm going to ask you to come back to that keyboard. And I just want to pray for you. I want to ask you again. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is he saying to you? What's he speaking to you today? Even while I'm, I make a habit of telling people, I just talk to myself and invite you to listen. Uh, When I first started this Pastoring thing 40 years ago. Ah, now you know I'm older than 36. <laughs> a wise man said to me, Dave, preach to yourself and invite people to listen. You'll never go wrong. So I hadn't been pointing a finger at you, I've been talking to myself. And I asked myself, Lord, in this season of my life, In this day, what do you want? What are you saying to me? Can we just go before the throne real quick? Father, I am utterly amazed. Every time I stand to speak, I'm amazed. I'm stunned that you let me do this. Blown away by your grace and mercy. I think everybody in this room whether you're a pastor or not we all could look and say we are stunned and amazed that you would love us because our mind replays the things maybe this week wasn't a great week or we, we, our mind just replays I'm stunned Jesus that you would die for me I'm stunned but you do love us. You did. You died for us. You call us to partner with you. You ask us to to just come along. and You invade our corners of the world. Maybe it's in that neighborhood you planted us in next to a neighbor we're not even sure about. Maybe it's at work. Maybe, Maybe it's in the family we're in. But you invite us to change our world. So Holy Spirit, what is it we need to do? What is it we need to do? Thank you for this great church. Thank you for what you're doing here at the desert church. Thank you for what you're beginning to do. Thank you for the new days and the new seasons. Thank you for this powerful couple who humbly, just worship and lead. A blessing be upon them. Bless their children and everything that concerns them. Continue to pour out your spirit